0: Welcome to PhD Talk. My name is Miriam and I'm the host on this podcast where I interview PhD students to let them talk about their topics and struggles and joys, and where me and others share tips with you to make your life as a PhD student more effective, less stressful, and most importantly, more fun. Hello, and a warm welcome to today's episode. Today you can hear an interview between Mary Cobia and myself. Mary is a senior career consultant at the International Office of the University of Copenhagen. Just like Diana, maybe you listened to the last episode of PhD Talk. Mary has been coaching and helping many professionals the last couple of years, and one thing she witnessed in many of them was that they have to deal somehow um, with their imposture, and she helps them like. Uh, forming a better relationship to it, let's let's say, let's say it like that. And in this episode, she will share her own imposture story. She will tell us what the imposture syndrome actually is and how we can maybe develop a better relationship with it. We all have it. I hope you can get some inspiration from this episode, and then.
1: Let's talk science. Hi, Mary. Hello. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me here.
1: It's my pleasure. Yeah. How are you? I'm very fine. The sun is shining and I'm in Denmark. You know, when the sun is shining, there are no problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's a good start in the week. sunny Monday. Yeah. Um, so we will talk about the imposter syndrome today. You will give some of your insights and mm-hmm. some of your experience with working with it and mm-hmm. people who have it. Yeah. And would you like to give us an introduction like to yourself? Like how did you get to work with the imposter syndrome and what was your story before that?
1: Well, I have a very long story, <laughs> <laughs> but I will just keep it short. I've been working at the university for nine years now. And um, at the university, I have a lot of different tasks um, currently. Um, I'm working a lot with researchers. And then uh, at the university, we have created a beautiful program to support the spouses of the researchers. And, um, what I've been doing a lot, uh, the past 13 years actually is working with talent development, career development, mm-hmm. coaching. Um, I've been conducting a lot of one-to-ones with amazing internationals. And at the university, I've been conducting, um, career workshops related to a CB cover letter transferable skills. So basically what I've been doing, I've been doing many different things, but relevant to this is I've been doing a lot of career counseling related to spouses. A lot of our spouses are researchers. Hmm. Um, and one of the top two. Uh, themes I see people having challenges with is the imposter syndrome. That's one thing. Yeah. And then number two, um, it's very much related to transferable skills. Mm -hmm. Transferable skills are related to what can I? uh, I've been working maybe in a bank sector or I've been doing research, but now I don't want to be in academia. I want to pursue a career beyond academia. What are my transferable skills? Hmm. And then there's actually a last thing. This is very much related to culture mm-hmm. and communication. So um, today it's maybe a bit of a deep dive into the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Very much related to um, amazing internationals, uh, top talent, people who are like amazing researchers, um, beautiful brains. But when we look at how... Are these brains working in terms of talking about yourself? Mm -hmm. What I see a lot of people do is they have a very negative dialogue around themselves. Okay. And this is maybe related to the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Can you give us a a definition of the imposter syndrome since this will be the main topic?
1: I think there's so many definitions of what imposter syndrome is. But for me, very, very simple. The imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern where individuals, they doubt their accomplishments. That means that they constantly, constantly feel they're fraud, they're going to be exposed, and they feel inadequate, and um, they believe they don't deserve their achievements. Okay. Mm -hmm. So – If they have accomplished something, Mm -hmm. they think it's because of luck. Oh, I was lucky. Or um, it was external factors that made me, you know, publish all these beautiful publications. So just to wrap up, the imposter syndrome is very much related to doubting yourself. There's a lot of fear of failure. A lot of people, they overwork to compensate for their imposter syndrome. What I also see a lot of people do, they have this um, picture of them being perfectionists. Mm -hmm. They strive to be 100%. And we all know, no one can be 100%. No,
0: especially since 100%, my 100% (laughs) are not your 100% and not anybody else's.
1: Exactly. And um, I think, you know, sometimes also, if we look at our partners, our partners are not 100%. And if we look at ourselves, we're not 100%. No. So we cannot demand that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. it does to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then if someone someone has the imposter syndrome, what is like? what are the negative effects of it? And is there maybe also positive effects? But I guess we can start with the negative ones, probably most prominent.
1: <clears throat> I really like your question because sometimes when we think of imposter syndromes, we think, oh... Everyone is perfect. No one has imposter syndrome, but everyone has it. The imposter syndrome is a universal emotion like hate, like love, Hmm. like anxiety. For me, it's all about how do you tackle your imposter syndrome? Because it's like, um, we can be angry. Yeah. But how do we deal with our anger? And if we look at the imposter syndrome, it's very much related to what are your habits around the imposter syndrome for me it's about getting you know creating consciousness awareness about oh i have maybe an imposter syndrome how Mm -hmm. does it manifest Mm -hmm. so creating awareness about hmm, when i'm under pressure what characterizes my behavior what characterizes my thoughts
0: so figuring
1: out when does my imposter start talking exactly and Mm -hmm. i think you know um I think this is a beautiful podcast and I would like to share and care my, <laughs> my own story. <laughs> Please. Um, I've been doing a lot of communication work in my previous work where I was writing a lot of stuff. And one of my biggest challenges was being perfectionistic around writing an article. And I can remember those once I had a very, very tough deadline. And that tough deadline almost, you know, killed me, (laughs) not physically, but mentally, because I found it so overwhelming. And then at the same time, I had to do a presentation. And then I can remember I was doing this beautiful, beautiful presentation. Everyone laughed, you know, everyone, everything was beautiful. If you had seen it from, from, uh, you know, in a meta perspective, you would have thought this is very, very beautiful. Yeah, beautiful start, beautiful pitch, mm. beautiful middle, hmm. beautiful ending. <laughs> and I can remember when I was done with that presentation based on the article, I was so so tired. I was so so overwhelmed. I felt like uh, vomiting mm-hmm. because if you have a picture analogy of a duck, you know the bird, the duck. Yeah. When it swims. Yeah. Under the water, the feet are moving like this. You yeah. Know? But on, above water, it's still. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And then I can remember I had a colleague, um, called Freddie. And then I told him Freddie and Freddie praised me for my beautiful presentation. And then afterwards I just had to be honest with him. And then I said to him, you know, Freddie, uh, I feel awful. I really, really feel awful. And I feel that mm-hmm. it went horrible. And then uh, he said to me, that is nonsense. Then he, um, we started talking about this imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And then he said to me, I think you're overthinking right now. It was actually him who used this analogy with a duck, you know? And for me, that was like a defining moment because what I realized when I was doing the presentation, I was using so much energy, smiling, reading the audience, Mm. timing my pitch. You know, now I'm going to do this. And then at the same time, I was doing an overthinking. So for me, it was, it was so overwhelming. And then energy wise, I was so exhausted. So that was my like defining moment where I decided, no, I don't want to do that again, ever Mm. again. And then I started working with my performance skills because I knew, Oh, When I have to perform, I have, you know, like a flavor, a bad habit related to, I seek perfectionism. You know, I read the audience too much. Mm -hmm. So if people are sitting with crossed arm, closed body language, then I freak out in my mind. No, 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 no. Then mm. I started creating another narrative. And mm. I started thinking, Oh, the reason for why they have a close body language is because they're just in love with all the things I'm saying. <laughs> they're just taking everything in. And it's so beautiful, so big, so they need to digest it.
0: Yeah, so, so concentrated. Yeah, So, yeah.
1: so yeah. they're reframing. I was I, I started reframing. And one thing I think sometimes we're very fast at is judging, you know. Uh, We judge people, other people very fast, Mm -hmm. but I think we judge ourselves even worse, you know. So this is just to pinpoint. If we look at the imposter syndrome, maybe if you asked yourself, what characterizes me when, how does my imposter syndrome manifest? Do I become very pleasing do I become very perfectionistic? Do I start overthinking physically? Do I stop breathing? How does that manifest? May I ask you, how does it manifest for you when you feel anxiety or when you think about the imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think pleasing, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Why pleasing?
0: I kind of have the feeling that pleasing protects me. Yeah. So I, I love more. I try to be the nice girl mm-hmm. kind of when I'm unsure of what I'm saying. I've also gotten that feedback when I give presentations mm. that I should maybe laugh less. And I'm not I don't realize that I laugh. Mm. But when I got it like mirrored, I realized mm. yeah, I laugh when I'm yeah. Yeah. When I'm yeah, scared or yeah. when I'm mm-hmm, presenting. So definitely that mm. and yeah, overthinking.
1: I think it's mm. very interesting what you're saying with laughing and pleasing because i see a lot of international researchers and if we look maybe at gender i see a lot of um, women because i also conduct mock interviews with people so we uh, we create i create an environment like we're going for the job interview and you have to wear exactly the clothes you want to wear for the job interview mm-hmm. and right now i'm very kind <laughs> my voice is very calm but then i create an environment where you know, I change my body language to be very, you know, um, reserved, closed, and then I ask people to do their presentation. Normally, if you're going for a job interview, uh, if it's industry or you can be um, asked to do a scientific presentation of your work, what did you do, achievements, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I can remember I had an amazing international who um, this, this this was a lady, and then. When we had our normal talks, she was very calm, mm. very, very calm, mm. beautiful uh, voice, very articulate and things like that. And then I said, now I'm going to go out of character. I'm not Mary now. Now I'm Bente Larsen. And Bente Larsen is a senior researcher at this company. She has asked you to do a presentation. You have five minutes. So go for it. And then um, we did it very like vivid. So she had her presentation and then she she was uh, doing a PowerPoint. And what I did was interrupt. And I raised my voice to show power. And the candidate, when we were having, when we were out of character, she had a beautiful voice. She was very articulate. What happened was her voice became down mm. came down yeah her body language started closing and um you know we had talked about remember to have a strong stand where you have both your feet are on the floor please do not cross your legs as if you're going to the toilet slowly she started crossing her legs her body language became closed and things like that and then after three minutes she said mary c- can we stop? Then I said, "I'm not Mary. I'm Larsen. <laughs> then, then I could see it was too much for her. Then I went out of character, and then she was shocked. She mm-hmm. was overwhelmed by this experience. Then I said to her, "I'm not. When I do this, it's out of kindness. I'm not saying this is gonna happen to you. We are just creating an environment
0: mm-hmm. where
1: I don't want you to be outer driven. I want you to be inner driven. I want you to be, you know, consistent in your presentation." If it is Bender-Larsen, you'll make a beautiful presentation. If it's Mary, it's a beautiful presentation. Mm-hmm. Then we started talking about what happens when I s- sit with my closed body language and how can you not mirror that? What could you do to make Bender-Larsen relax? Yeah. So this is very specific because one thing I, I believe in, you cannot change a behavior if you're not aware that it's a negative behavior. Does it make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. And sometimes I think we use too little time to assess ourselves in a constructive way where it's related to, I want to be this person. In order for me to be this person, you know, how can I work around the things that don't work for me right now? So if you know, I'm a perfectionist. I please a lot. Mm -hmm. When I get nervous, I start talking too much. I go crazy. When uh, someone has a body, close body language, I get stressed. Oh, now I know about this. I can do something about it. Does it make sense? Yeah. And sometimes we have a tendency to overthink and make things very, very complicated. But sometimes we can just start with low hanging fruits. Like when we have meetings, you know, we could challenge ourselves. If we are like, oh, I have a meeting and uh, I don't like saying something. We could have uh, objectives that was like, let me just say two things today at the meeting. Check. Okay. Without even thinking about it and not evaluating, not doing anything. I just want to say two things today.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay. like a self-training to, yeah. and also to get into the situation, maybe in a more safe environment. Exactly. When it's a rather small meeting, I can look at myself. What happens if I say something? Exactly, And then when it's uh, more important, well, all yeah. meetings are, yeah, but a more important meeting to me than <clears throat> maybe I, I will know what will happen to me and then I can react in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I <clears throat> think so. And before we started the, the, the podcast, I explained that the imposter syndrome, this is a universal thing. Like, uh, if I asked you, what is two plus two? What is the answer to two plus two? Four. Oh, <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 and that's because you've had maths, mathematics yeah. in, in school. But if I asked you, uh, could you please define what happiness is for you? Ooh, then it becomes really weird. What is meant what is good mental health for you? What is that, Mary? You know? Yeah, it's more abstract. It's more abstract. But does it have to be more abstract or? I don't think it has to be more abstract. Hmm. My, my my key message is in school, we are taught, you know, mathematics, you know, all these subjects. But in school, we're not taught about how do we take care of ourselves? Mm-hmm. How do we have a beautiful life? What are emotions? Um, What are positive emotions? Why do I have negative thoughts? What can I do with my negative thoughts? This is not something that is fundamental. And that is something you have to learn. And for me, Mental health well being is like a life skill, but this is something you figure out when you've gone to school, when you're maybe in university, when you have to perform. Start realizing there's something wrong. Why am I feeling this way? And then you start thinking I'm the only one in the entire world in Denmark. And then you realize a lot of people have these emotions and Mm -hmm. that's because we're not taught about it. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: I'm also thinking, are we actually like pushed into, in towards the imposter syndrome direction? Because at school we are like, okay, if you don't have a, well, depends on the school system, but like an A or something Mm -hmm. like the best grade. Like if you don't have the best grade, then it's a lot about the mistakes that one did Mm -hmm. instead of the things that still went right. Mm -hmm. And then also maybe being taught to be humble and not to brag, which is, of course, also nice in a way in a a human community context. But are we feeding the imposter syndrome in people, you think, or
1: is it? We're definitely not doing so much about it. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And I think we live in a high-performance environment. It's wonderful, but I think we have a focus a lot on the outer world, what is Mm -hmm. going on out there. But we don't have a focus on what's going on in ourselves. And I think there's some fundamental things like we have anger, we have rage, and then there's some emotions that are taboo. When we come to work, you know, we don't say, Hey, I feel like shit today. You know, I had an argument with my husband mm. and right now I freaking hate him. I want to divorce. He's a sorry ass, you know? Yeah. We don't do that, you no. know? Mm. And and sometimes I think we can be so overwhelmed with our own emotions, Mm. but sometimes our emotions is not even, how do you say, we are not our emotions. You can wake up in the morning and then you can feel really awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you meet someone who has created a beautiful impact for other people and inspires you. And then suddenly it becomes a beautiful day, you know, (laughs) just because you started bad. It doesn't mean that you end bad. And I think a lot of people, when, when you when you have the imposter syndrome, it's very much related to you think it's going to be like this forever and ever, you know, life goes up, life goes down. Everything, you mm-hmm. know, it, it changes, you know. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think what we can talk a bit about is, you know, the flavors the imposter syndrome has.
0: Okay. So many people have different,
1: you know, flavors. And okay. it's like we're mm-hmm. talking about, you can be a pleaser, very pleasing. You want to yeah. please, you can be very perfectionistic and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, another thing I see a lot of people they do is they compare themselves, comparison, you know? <laughs> yeah. Comparison. yeah. How, how, how does that relate to you? <laughs> how you do- yeah, I think doing a PhD, uh, the
0: comparison is like when do other PhDs publish their first article? Uh-huh. How do they advance? Mm. And it's also maybe a toxic comparison about how much people work, like just in terms of hours, mm-hmm. or how they get along with their supervisors. Yeah. How do they perform in the group? Yeah, and these things.
1: So if we look at comparison, if I were to ask you if you should do if you should not do that, that much, you know, do it less, what what could you do actively? So you didn't focus so much on, uh, you know, uh, comparing, what could you do actively?
0: Well, what I've tried to think is that we're just all very different. Mm -hmm. And uh, what has helped me at least is to, and I'm still on the journey, (laughs) but to think that my value doesn't depend on how many articles I publish. Yeah. And then I think when I compare myself, Mm. um, it's also not nice for other people Mm. because yes, sometimes I would be the one less well off, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's of course the other person and Mm. I don't actually want to degrade anyone. Yeah. So that has like shifting the perspectives.
1: Exactly. Because what you're doing right now is that you're realizing it's not just me who has it, you know, Mm. everyone has this emotion, this feeling. And I think... When we use a lot of energy on, you know, comparing ourselves with others, mm. we also lose focus, you know, eye on the ball, you know, we lose the eye, uh, you know, we, we're just all over the place.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. the focus goes, the energy flows.
1: Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I also think sometimes we can challenge ourselves. Like, you know, um, we all know if you do something consistently, you become really good at it. So if I asked you, um, If you're very good overthinking, and you've been doing that for years, then I bet you might be very good at overthinking. Mm -hmm. So if we had to change that, then we would have to replace the overthinking with something else. Yeah. What could that be?
0: (laughs) Analytical thinking? (laughs) Strategic thinking? I
1: don't know. Yeah. I think when we overthink... When we overthink sometimes, it has nothing to do with how do you say, um, you can have a small problem, then you think of that small problem, then we create a new problem, and then it's a new problem on top of a new problem. I think what kills overthinks or can reduce overthinking is having a positive, you know, um, attitude to things. You know, there are a lot of achievements we conduct, but we don't think about it. Um, there are a lot of small things we take for granted, you know now the weather is amazing in a couple of months it's not going to be like this (laughs) and sometimes what we can try to do is get out of focus in terms of focusing on the overthinking a very low-hanging fruit is just look around and say okay if I should just pinpoint three things that I've experienced so far this morning that were really really nice okay what would that be you know,
0: so the, just disrupting, yeah. Yeah. the thought kind of kind disrupting
1: so if you think about, oh, which three things did I experience on my way to uh, the university today that were nice yeah did you, do you have something specific you're thinking of?
0: I just love biking in the sun, yeah, so every day it's a pleasure, yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, and what? then I said in the courtyard, looking at the trees, looking yeah. at the beautiful building we are in, yeah when you did all of these things. Were you overthinking at that moment? No, I just <laughs> thought of, this is nice. This is nice. Yeah. And I think sometimes we neglect all this beauty that is in front of us. Then we go to this place that has no energy. It's just overthinking. It's a crazy universe. Mm-hmm. But you are you are not that. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of the overthinking... It has nothing to do with the present time we're living in. When we overthink, we're overthinking about something that happened or, and then when that thing, negative thing thing has happened, then we project it to the future. It's nothing to do with now. There's no evidence that there's something wrong right now. Right now I'm sitting here. I'm having a wonderful time with you. (laughs) You're laughing. I don't see a problem right now. You understand? Yeah. yeah. The overthink is always related to a time aspect that mm-hmm. was yesterday or it has nothing to do with like now, now, because in the present moment, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Bring me back to the, to the moment. Yeah. And I think if we should tame this thing around the imposter syndrome, I think talking and, you know, getting things out of our head mm-hmm. can help a lot, you know. Like writing things down also? Writing things down, mm-hmm. journaling. I have this expression called sharing is caring. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we underestimate how many people feel the way we feel, you know. When we are low, it's like, oh, uh, I don't want to share, I'm low. But when we are high, oh, I got all these likes, I published, I did this. I was awesome. My PI said this. Mm-hmm. That's when we want to shine. That's when we want to share.
0: Mm-hmm. But it,
1: I think we can also create a culture where it's like, oh, it's okay to, uh, yeah, to not be high. Mm-hmm. It's okay to to have a a day where, yeah, things are just average. Yeah, <laughs> or below average. Or Below average. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So sharing the yeah. the thoughts. I yeah. think so. I yeah. think so. It was also a great relief when someone told me about the imposter syndrome because I only heard of it for the first time doing my master's. And the friend who told me about it, I was like, okay, interesting that there's like a a concept behind this. And I was so surprised when he told me that he had it because to me, he was like one of the smartest people I knew.
1: So (laughs) (laughs) it was an interesting experience, definitely for me. Something happens with us when we start sharing our darkness, not only our, you know, light, light side. And if we look at the imposter syndrome and we sort of have a meta perspective, we know, like, for instance, um, Michelle Obama, in her biography, she explains how she felt as, um, you know, a fraud. And she explains how she, um, you know, the imposter syndrome really affected her in her early days when she was studying, but also in the White House. We have the amazing painter Van Gogh. He had a lot of demons in his head. He Mm -hmm. was depressed and things like that. But Mm -hmm. when he was alive, he never thought of himself as an artist or a painter. Imagine all the things he produced, you know, mm. everything was just going on in his head. Mm. So this is this is also why I think it's important that we do something about it, you know, we talk mm. about it. Because I think what happens to a lot of us is that we we, we go in our small worlds, then we think we are the only people having these sad emotions. And if we look at, yeah, you know, what does the, if we can reduce our imposter syndrome, if we can, um, you know, what is it we can do Mm. if we didn't have it the thing is it um, creates a lot of space Mm. for you know um, where we are at peace Mm. where we are in balance when we are in peace and at in balance we create we we have a lot of potential because then there is no um how do you say there's no noise you know then we are very creative yeah we can be very creative and if we should be very very specific if we didn't have an imposter syndrome, we would be able to embrace challenges in a completely different way. Yeah, we
0: didn't have to like cross all the hurdles first, yeah. but we could get to the problem. Exactly. Kind of like right
1: away. So mm-hmm. what I see a lot of researchers, when they start working with all of these things and they downtone their imposter syndrome, they look cha- look at challenges in a completely different way. Challenges mm-hmm. can be related to your work But it can also be to selling yourself Mm. in terms of I'm on my way to, you know, to get an assistant professorship or I'm pursuing a career beyond academia. Because when I see people, they 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 embrace the challenge, they change character in terms of they feel more empowered. So when they, um, I had a protein expert from India who had been uh, seeking a job at NovoSims and he had applied like. Twelve times, On the 13th time, that is when he actually landed this amazing job as a protein expert, but he never gave up. And when I met him, it was when he was about to, uh, you know, he didn't believe in himself anymore. He was like, Mary, I've applied, I've applied, I've applied. And then we worked around the job strategy. What can you do more of, do less of? Mm. And then I realized with him, his imposter syndrome was very much related to being a perfectionist, but very much related to, you know, the fact that, you know, if he didn't get this, then, you know, get into Novosimes, yeah, then he, he, he would he would never get a job. You know, it had yeah. to be Novosibes. Yeah. Mm. But the thing is, I explained to him, 80% of what we do in our job search is related to mechanics how do I write a CV? Which questions can I expect? Mm-hmm. But then the 20% is the psychology, the mindset. I've met people who are amazing, but the mindset, there's something wrong or not wrong, but they're not focused. But the thing is when he started embracing the challenge, he became extremely focused. And then he went from, I don't really care if I get into neuroscience or not, I'm just going to do my best. And then he came with this beautiful energy where he just performed and he got his job. So to be specific, what happens to us when we reduce our poster syndrome? I think something that is also very vital, we start recognizing our achievements because suddenly it's like, okay, I achieved this. I did it, and I believe I did it. You know, mm, and I deserve yeah. it. And I deserve it. Mm. Then we start acknowledging our achievements. Another thing we also start do, doing is we also take ownership of our success. You know,
0: mm. I know when you say that I feel in the resistance, but yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: When, when 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 we uh, how do you say when we start taming our imposter syndrome, mm. it's like this thing. That happened to me. This success, I freaking created it. Nobody <laughs> gave it to me. I can see it resonates with you.
0: Yeah, but I, I know, like I'm, I'm not there. Like when you, when you say that, I can feel that there is inner resistance in me, yeah. and that I cannot
1: fully yeah. acknowledge. Yeah. yeah. And if I may ask, out of kindness, mm-hmm. when you have this inner resistance, because I can see in your eyes <laughs> something is happening, but if you should say the inner resistant inner resistance what is that about
0: it it would still tell me yeah that's true for other people (laughs) but not for me and i and i know that that's not true yeah that's still i'm like yeah but what i did is not like rocket science or something so i would still tell me those stories
1: although i'm (laughs) but but that is absolutely fine Mm -hmm. it's absolutely fine to have those thoughts but Right now, you're opening up to, oh, maybe that's success. Mm-hmm. I actually created myself. You're not, how do you say, you're not resistant. You're not 100% resistant to mm-hmm. what I'm saying. But when we start, you know, having this imposter syndrome that we're downtoning, we have the taking ownership of our success. Another thing we start doing when we um, tame our imposter syndrome is that we start pursuing ambitions in a completely different way. Because uh is like, okay, I'm not really afraid of this. You know, if I want to travel, if I want to go somewhere, I can do it. You know, um so this thing with, we dream of things mm-hmm. we want to do, and then now we're not using so much energy on how to say pulling ourselves down, mm-hmm. but we come from this space of how do you say, um, you know, where we are calm, mm-hmm. where we are in balance. And then suddenly we can see, oh, I have option A, I have option B, there's so many things I can do. And I think that is also something that is positive. And I think another thing, when we start Downtoning the, the imposter syndrome is we start also having focus on having better connections with people, you know, and also maybe wanting to share. Oh, I feel like this. This is who I am, you know, today I'm having a crazy day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might not have a crazy day tomorrow, but today I'm having a crazy day, you know, because when we have the imposter syndrome where, you know, it really takes over. We don't really want to interact with people. We just isolate ourselves and then we think everyone is perfect. And I also, I think another thing we, we also try to do is we uh, do more self compassion. You know, we want to take care of ourselves. You know, does that resonate with you? Yeah. In which Mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. In which way does it resonate with you? The self compassion?
0: Yeah, I have, like, one story actually came to my mind when you were talking about, like, where do we focus on? And then there is the story of the two wolves. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like a a grandpa talking to their, like, grandchild. And then the grandpa is like, do you know that there is two wolves living in your heart? Mm -hmm. One is the greedy one and the one that is hateful and Mm -hmm. angry. And the other one is love and happiness and they fight. Mm -hmm. And then the grandchild is like, so who wins? And then he's like, "Well, the one you feed oh. will win." Yeah. And I try to, I try to think of that. So the thoughts that I feed mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I allow myself to follow,
1: yeah.
0: or that I also allow myself to disrupt, yeah. I will get more of. Yeah. So that is one way I'm trying to be, yeah. maybe more compassionate. If that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And that also, I think I realized that I can also be more kind to other people, like yeah. on the inside. Um, yeah, yeah, mostly or especially on the, yeah. on the inside. Yeah.
1: I think that is a beautiful analogy. Um, I have another analogy in terms of, you know, the thoughts we have about ourselves, the overthinking, the little voice in our head. And we all have this voice. Mm. It can. Talk beautiful stuff Mm -hmm. and sometimes you can talk very negative stuff. Try to envision that this small voice you have is a neighbor, you know, someone. Yeah. And try to envision that person that is in your head. That's, of course, yourself. Imagine if this friend that is in there talking about everything, you know, bad about you, you had to live with that person. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're not even paying rent.
1: <laughs> in real life. Yeah. So when you get home, someone will knock on the door. It's that inner demon. Would you invite that person in? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> but that's how we treat ourselves. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's it's it's the it's the bad friend, you know. They don't pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> they eat the last uh, you know, fruit in the fridge, mm-hmm. you know. And I think sometimes just talking about things, we can take the top of, of uh, you know, a very serious emotion mm-hmm. by just talking about it, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Then
1: we feel less overwhelmed. Oh, it was not that bad, you know. Then if we do it again, oh, it was not that bad. And I think all of these things are very much related to habits, like your, your story with the, the wolf. okay. What do I actively decide to do more of mm. less of? Mm. this is a decision mm. we can make right now, you know, like we are <laughs> if we look at human beings, we are amazing, you know, in terms of envisioning good stuff but also bad stuff mm-hmm. but Right now we could decide, oh, let's all feel sad. You know, let's both feel sad. We could create an environment where it's like, I tell you something sad and then you tell me something that is sad. And then we're like, ah, oh, very, very sad, you know? And we can do that in less than one minute. Yeah. But we could also do the opposite. Oh, mm-hmm. mm, you are talking about your three things you, ex- you saw today. Uh, the beautiful building, the trees, you know, now we are here, the sun is shining. I like biking chemically in our bodies, you know, we can feel it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to smile and then be annoyed at the same time. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, very much related to the imposter syndrome and downtoning, it's also very much about looking what is it I can actively do? Because if I had to ask you who who creates y- your happiness? Who creates your happiness right now? Yeah, myself. Yeah.
0: I mean, I can, I can decide if other people can, show. to a certain extent, of course, I have the power to decide whether yeah. I want my emotions to change. I can laugh at your joke yeah. or I can decide not to. Yeah. If I'm conscious about it, I guess you yeah. can make me angry, but yeah. you can't make me angry if I don't allow you to exactly. make me angry, basically. Exactly.
1: And for me, the, the, these things we're working with your emotions, it's mm-hmm. a muscle exercise. Like if I told you I want to, um, you know, I want to have like better arms and you know better over body, so mm-hmm. I'm strong. Could you please do my push-ups? <laughs> yeah. You're <laughing>. sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Next level AI.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why, why can't you do my push-ups you, yeah. you, you look amazing you could do it <laughs> it's ridiculous mary yeah. what are you talking about it's the same sometimes mm-hmm. with this happiness can you please make me happy and then you're sitting and looking at the outer world oh can you make me feel good mm, no i can't do your push-ups for god's sake you know D- does it make sense yeah and sometimes we underestimate our own powers And I think when it comes to the imposter syndrome, there's a lot of, oh, there's an enemy, you know, there's an enemy oh, they'll figure out I'm not good enough. Oh, the enemy is out there from, in my experience, working with a lot of people, the enemy or the barriers, they're never out there. It's always inside ourselves, you know, it resonates.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then is there like, yeah. How can we know that we are not like faking or I mean being humble is like something nice. So how can we know that, that that the inner voice is not like tricking us into thinking, oh, we're just humble, but actually we're having the imposter syndrome? Do you think that is something that can that
1: that can happen? Kind yeah. of or? But it's okay to be humble. Yeah, yeah. Because for me humbleness is not a negative thing. No, 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 no. In, me in, for me the imposter syndrome is very much related to I have negative thoughts about myself. Negative. I have self doubt. I have all of these things, but being humble is more related to you can have a lot of positive thoughts around something you're going to do, but you're just, you're just doing it gracefully, you know? And I think a lot of people, they mistake humbleness with imposter syndrome or humbleness with making yourself small. But for me, humbleness is not a negative emotion.
0: No, for, for me neither. But yeah. I but I think that maybe it can that humbleness can turn into something that is um actually not healthy. Like Absolutely. it looks like humbleness to yeah. me, but it's not
1: Absolutely. Actually. But I think what you're talking about is you can take mm-hmm. a attribute and then it can be turned to something that is not of value. And then you you like we were talking about what is your flavor Of, uh, you know, the, the flavor that characterizes your imposter syndrome. You can be very perfectionistic. You can be overthinking, but then you can also have humbleness as, oh, you know, the, the thing you lean up against, you know, being too humble in a, Mm. in a negative way. Yeah. And I think we all have different things we use as a crutch, you know, where when we walk, oh, we lean towards that, but Mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it doesn't add value, you know, so this is very much related to oh it's okay to be humble but if you're humble in a in a way that is not making you feel good then it becomes like a coping strategy oh i do this when i'm not feeling good then i cope and then i use it as a you know a cover so we all have different things that we use as coping strategies when I have the feeling
0: that some of my colleagues has the imposter syndrome, do you think it's wise to address that or do you think that's a bit too, too much? I like that
1: question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just visualizing you saying to a colleague, hello, um, I just want to let you know that you have a huge imposter syndrome. I think you would frame it slightly different,
0: but maybe you think it could help them? No, you're laughing so much. You don't think it's a good idea?
1: No, I'm just that there's so many ways of of, of saying it. Um, yeah, and I think if you have to address these things, you have to come from a place of kindness, mm-hmm. where it's more related to um, if it's related to imposter syndrome, and you have a person that is constantly pulling themselves down, Mm -hmm. you know, overthinking and things like that. Then I think it's important to dialogue, you know, say, well, you know, I've noticed you say this, Mm -hmm. you say that, Mm -hmm. da, da, da. And I'm just thinking when you say all of these things, it doesn't um, resonate with your current, you know, with who you are, because that's not the way I see it. And then get that person to, you know, Elaborate what, when, when you say these things, you know, where's the evidence? Mm -hmm. Where's the evidence for, you know, you're not good enough because you've just published like 10 articles, you know, what, what's that about? You know, Mm -hmm.
0: do you think it's possible to help to also help somebody else to pull them out of this? Or is it really like it has to come from the inside and there is no way anyone else can?
1: I I think it's hmm. possible, but I think also it's a very delicate, Matter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yes. And just to be specific, I was thinking of, of a colleague uh, I had a couple of years ago who had a tendency to talk very bad about herself. And then I can remember I just said to her, "Do you know what? You know, everything you're saying, I know it's in your head, and I just want to let you know, you know, what impact it has because what you're saying right now." If I look at your current work and she was doing brilliant work, I said to her, it has nothing to do with your current work. So everything you're doing right now is um, going on in your head. And I had a very good relationship with her, so I could just be upfront. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I said to her, if you continue this behavior or this thing, how do you think it's going to impact your, you know, your career? H- how does it impact? You, you at home, you know, what is it you want to do? you know, and then she explained to me that you know it was really, really hard for her, and a lot of this was a pattern you know sometimes we do things, but we have never thought why we do it, and once we realize oh, why am I doing this? you know, then it becomes something else there, There's so many things we do which are bad habits, but we don't question our bad habits, and mm-hmm. sometimes people they have to you know stir us a bit up and uh, ask us. Why is it you're doing this? You know, what is it you get out of it? What do you benefit from it? Mm. There's so many things we do without thinking about it because it's, uh, we're wired or we think, oh, now we're in academia, we have to be so critical. We have to be so academic, you know, all yeah. of these things, you know. Yeah. And when when it comes to, I see a lot of researchers applying their research methods In terms of being very analytical, Mm, mm. looking at a problem from very different uh, uh, angles, you know, you know, you can have a problem, then you can think like this then you can overthink like this. Then they take all these methods, Mm. which are problem solving methods, Mm. amazing problem solving methods, Mm -hmm. then they apply them on themselves. Then they start analyzing, dissecting, you know, like if you have an atom, then you start, you know, just breaking everything up. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful in the lab, but it it doesn't feel good when you start breaking yourself up. And I think, again, this is very much related to no one has taught us, please do not use your academic analytical skills on yourself, Mm -hmm. because that is a disconstruct which is going to not make you feel good, because you're seeking for perfectionistic, you're seeking for loopholes, you're seeking for problems, you know, Uh, how can you make things better in your research? But when it comes to yourself, you can't do that. You can't apply those methods. So this is, for me, this is very much a mindset thing. And But nobody explains this to us. Nobody explains, oh, Mary, I think it's really important instead of using, uh, you know, like just take 20 minutes a day just to think about something positive, you know, (laughs) do something positive, do that. It can be five minutes, it can be 10 minutes, but it's something that is consistent. Mm -hmm. You need to create a new habit. Okay, when I bike from A to B, I want to be aware and conscious of three things I will pass on my way. This is something I start practicing. When I'm having meetings, I will focus on three positive things that happens at the meeting. So it becomes a new habit. But most of us, when we are biking, it's like, we're thinking, oh, I'm going to work. Then I have this problem. Red traffic light. <laughs> red, red traffic light. <laughs> and then at the meeting, oh, why is this person looking at me like this? And yeah. Oh, why is the agenda so? Oh, <laughs> mm. Why is this person not even prepared? When oh. yeah. you go up and then you open your inbox, oh, then, oh, and then when you come home, nobody has made the food. Oh, there's no milk. Oh, yeah. oh. And then you go to bed. And then you go like, oh, I'm going to have the same exactly day tomorrow. And then you do the new loop, oh, red traffic light. Yeah, 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 right.
0: And the imposter syndrome, of course, doesn't stop when we leave the office. We can also have an imposter syndrome about being a partner or being a friend or being like just in private. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Private circles. I mean, it's not only academic or professional,
1: right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if we should just recap and just, you know, uh, you know, say something ways to, uh, you know, to a strategy or something you can do very, mm-hmm. very actively, mm-hmm. a very, very low hanging fruit. For me, it's very much related to, for example, uh, celebrating achievements. I hear a lot of people say, but when do I know if it's an achievement? <laughs> Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> but an achievement could be, Oh, imagine I woke up this morning, you know, mm. I'm healthy. I'm fine. I bet there are some people that didn't wake up this morning. Yeah. Yesterday was their last, uh, you know, day. An achievement could be, Oh, imagine I got from A to B in a beautiful way. I saw all of these things. Mm. Achievement could be related to, Oh, my colleague actually said something really cool to me. Or an achievement could be, Oh, my PI thinks that what I'm doing is currently really good. Mm -hmm. Or maybe my PI doesn't like it, but I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Who freaking cares? Mm -hmm. I'm about to wrap up my whatever Mm -hmm. thesis and I'm getting out of academia and I know exactly what I'm doing, you know? I'm just, you know, creating a bit fun around it. So this thing around celebrating achievements. Another thing is also... Sharing your feelings. Who have you shared your feelings with today? Now I sound very Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> but you know, mm. sharing your feelings not to just everyone, but to someone where you're thinking, okay, this 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 could benefit me or the person, you know. Mm. And then, last but not the least, I think you know, practicing uh, self compassion, being kind to yourself. This is very much related to what is going on in our inner universe. And the funny thing is, if we are happy with ourselves, we can do anything, you know, Mm. Then we don't need anyone to make us happy, you know? Yeah, right. And that can
0: also be a gift to anyone else. Like, um, I don't push the responsibility of my happiness on
1: somebody else. And that's impossible to achieve. And all this comes back to who is it that makes you happy right now? There's so many things we create ourselves and Mm. then we want other people to give it to us, but but we have it. We we already have it. (laughs) Does does it make sense? Yeah, So so I think all all of this we're talking about is creating awareness and consciousness about, hmm, what are my emotions, you know? And sometimes when we think about something, just because it's a thought, it's not, it's not, it's not true, you know? It's like, you know, we. I, I get this question sometimes. So Mary, are you always happy or what? <laughs> because you, <laughs> you look so happy. Yeah. Uh, aren't you, uh, you know, like sad sometimes or don't you have negative thoughts about whatever? Then I say, I have a lot of negative thoughts, but it's my habits around the negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can have a negative thought and then it just, it's like a river. It's just, it's just passing, you know, everyone has it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, right. And yeah. then also uh, thanking the imposter sometimes maybe for pushing us. Yeah. Like I think that I went on and on and on is also a bit part due to my imposter because I thought if I have a bachelor's degree, then everyone will think I'm smart. Ah, maybe a bachelor's is not enough. Maybe if I have a master's degree, everyone will yeah. think
1: I'm smart. Yeah. Maybe
0: it's not enough. Maybe I have to do a PhD. It's not yeah. only that, but it's definitely part of it.
1: So, yeah. I like that because I think all these darknesses we have, there's also a beauty in the darkness because they push us. Yeah. But I think when it comes to imposter syndrome, so when we are pushed, we're not always enjoying the process, the journey. We have a focus on the target, mm. but not the, the journey. And I think we need to slow down and, you know, enjoy the journey also.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to share? I just share? want
1: to, I just want to thank you for coming <laughs> to the University of Copenhagen. And you know, thank you for taking this topic up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was and a, a I, pleasure.
1: And I think it's a very interesting topic and, yeah. Um, yeah, hope it's useful.
0: I'm sure it is. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your time. Yeah. Thank you us. so much. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. I recorded this just a couple of days before my PhD defense. And during those days, until my defense, my imposture was so loud. And for me, it was really helpful to think back to this interview and then rethink my you know, dialogue. <laughs> I was really thankful for this and I hope that you can also get some inspiration um, and get a different view maybe on your inner dialogue, on your many different voices or inner voices. If you enjoyed today's interview or if you have comments, then feel free to leave them below the post of this episode on LinkedIn at Miriam Weyers, B-E-Y-E-R-S. And then if you like, please subscribe to PhD Talk on Spotify or Apple Podcast to look at past episode, or don't miss future ones. And then I would like to thank you for your time and your attention. And then I wish you all the best until next time. Bye bye.